Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Eight-year-old Renee Buskell was attending the homecoming chapel when she heard Dr. White share about the 1,000 Days Transform campaign and the need to continue raising money for the $40 million Schoenberg Business Center. Renee begged her parents and aunt to allow her to contribute to this lofty project. Listen as she shares with Mark Weinstein about giving four quarters to the campaign. Thanks, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. We're off to a great start in 23 with some really good podcasts, beginning with the amazing story of Larry, Tom, and Joanne, and then just last week with Dr. Jeff Heyman and the tremendous gift of life he provided to an Australian girl who he's never met. Today's podcast, although different in content, will be similar in impact and inspiration. And I'm talking today with Phil and Becca Buskell and their daughter, Renee, about one special moment with this eight-year-old daughter who caught the attention of a lot of people at Cedarville University, which is the alma mater of both Becca and Phil. We'll discuss this today at length on the podcast. To help us better understand the Buskells, Phil earned a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering in 2006 from Cedarville University. He met his wife, Becca, at Cedarville, where she earned a degree in nursing one year later. The Buskells have four children, and I mentioned earlier, their oldest daughter, Renee, is with us today because much of our conversation will address the heart of a child who loves her parents and showed this love during homecoming of 2022. Today's podcast was recorded in two settings, and Becca was only with us for the first part of the program. And with that said, let me welcome Phil, Becca, and Renee Buskell to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you. And uh, to begin the program, I'm interested in hearing how Phil and Becca found their way to Cedarville University uh, as students. So let's start with Phil. I know you're from Waterloo, Iowa, which is a distance from Cedarville. How did you first learn of Cedarville? How did you come to Cedarville? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I I grew up in a Baptist church uh, that was affiliated with Cedarville. And so I was aware of Cedarville through that. And I wanted to go uh, to school or a place where I could study engineering, but also receive biblical training. And so Cedarville was one of the places that offered both a mechanical engineering program and a Bible minor. Okay, so uh, how was your experience the four years that you were on campus as a student? Oh, it was excellent. I mean, it went by very quickly. Uh, I felt challenged academically as well as spiritually and uh, made some lifelong friends there. And uh, yeah. I, met, I met my spouse as well. Yeah, we're going to get to that. But just, just let me uh, bring this in so the listeners understand. So we're doing this podcast by Zoom. You're in your living room in Beaver Creek, and you have your children with you. So there, so if you hear some noises in the background, that's okay. Becca, uh, I believe what you're from Peoria, Illinois. So how did you how did you find Cedarville? My sister had done all the heavy lifting with trying to find uh, institutions that would give a biblical training. She yeah. ended up choosing nursing. I always knew what I didn't want to do, which is a little bit helpful, but also a little bit not helpful. But every single time my sister came home from 
school, she was such an excited nerd about what she was learning and she would work on me and show me things. And uh, I was attracted to her excitement. And whenever I visited campus, she just let me into her life and her friends and her professors. I was so impressed with relationships. Yeah. Um, I chose Cedarville because uh, I, when I did end up realizing I wanted to do nursing for myself, it fit with my personality and uh, what my parents um, kind of saw me leaning towards with service kinds of things. And I wanted to be accessible through borders if the Lord ever had a missionary future for me. Um, So I just didn't know why I wanted to have open doors, not closed ones. And so uh, that's kind of what led me there. But I think to the particular, I could have done nursing anywhere. My sister's relationships that she let me in on was kind of what what attracted me so much. And, and that's one thing we hear often. And we believe that um, siblings are the best student recruiters for us because they have great experiences. And you're, you're a testimony to that that experience. So I had need to ask. You said you knew growing up, you knew what you didn't want to do. So what did, what did you not want to do? I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to do piano performance because I never could do it perfectly enough. And I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. Um, My dad's a surgeon. I was like, yes, no, thank you for that uh, kind of schedule. So a couple things like that were. So don't you homeschool your kids now? Isn't that ironic? Yeah. So you are a teacher. I am very much a teacher. And for that matter, you know, parents in general or people in general, aren't we teachers anyways, because of what we're modeling and, and hopefully teaching uh, good uh, lifestyles and, and service to Jesus. Amen. So, so like we'll learn on next week's podcast with Jason and Courtney Atwell, some college uh, couples begin dating late in their college career while others meet in their freshman years or somewhere in between and build relationships during their college experience. So, uh, Phil and Becca, how did, how and when did you meet? I felt like I met him before I met him because my roommate had a hilarious interaction with him at the library. I was always in the library studying. Um, but by the time I was a sophomore and nursing was getting a little bit harder, I realized how much the library was my uh, social time instead of my study time. So I... It, at that time, I had kind of stepped back from being at the library and found other quiet places. Um, and my roommate, though, had found a lot of excitement in the library, being able to study, but also being able to connect with people. Yeah, She was at a funny table with all these engineers and had just had a funny interaction, told me about this guy that she met that was just hilarious. And so I just kept that back in my mind. And when I was with her in the library one time, I don't know, probably weeks later, we were walking down the hall and she saw Phil and she was like, Hey, that's the guy that I was telling you about. That was so funny in the interaction prior. He had uh, essentially asked her uh, on a date, a funny date. Cause all the guys were uh, wanting to have a fun together and he never did take her on that date. So she kind of confronted him. She was like, Hey, what about that date you were supposed to take me on? He was like, Oh, Oh my bad. I'm sorry. And he like put <laughs> his calendar exaggeratedly like went like five months in advance and he was like how about march uh 17th does that sound pretty good i don't know just everything was just funny he would he went back and forth with her and i was just like this dude uh he's he's not afraid of anything and um he just yeah so i i remembered seeing him in 
kind of funny ways, but then all the other times I saw him either with his nose in the book or not really chatting with people. So I couldn't tell if he was, I couldn't tell if he was a, a snob, which I was like, no, I don't think he's a snob. Like he, I, I saw these interactions or he's very studious. And uh, we ended up being able to actually get to know each other during a summertime school for me. I was doing extra credits, knocking him off in the summer and he was working on the base, but also using the um, campus um, for his spot and computer access and all that good stuff. So we got to really hang out that summer. Okay. And what, what, where, what year were you at that point? I was going to be going into my junior year. Okay. He was going into his final year. Okay. So who, who thought first that we're going to marry, we're going to get married. So which one of you thought that first? Good question. I don't know. Let's see. Well, I, I definitely pursued her. Um, and it tried to elevate our relationship to for more than just friends. And in that conversation, there was some confusion. And I it sounded like she did just want to be friends. And so I pulled away for a while. And we had we didn't really interact for the, a, semester. a semester. And then we ended up having worldview integration together. And uh, there happened to be an empty seat next to her. I took it and we started things up again. And uh, it was actually kind of interesting because we were partners in that class. Of course, world integration covers a lot of uh, key issues about marriage and family, uh, church selection. So we were sort of talking through all these things that you might talk through during a premarital counseling class <laughs> as part of our worldview integration. And uh, so we didn't really answer your question, but I think we both kind of came to it together um during during that class yeah so it's almost like it's almost like we knew we didn't want to date anybody else you you know you hear the word courting and stuff we never really tossed that around but I knew that I so valued what where his mind was about um just things that I treasured and things that the Lord says to treasure um and so we really got to see a lot of deep realities of what we thought because we had drum them up for this class and actually hash it out and write papers on that. Um, but I did not know. Um, I, I knew that I didn't want to be with anybody else as far as dating goodness marriage. I, uh, I think it was probably like a year later or something. Um, I was at my sister's wedding and I was part of her wedding and just, you know, it comes to a head when you all are getting older, when you are making those lifelong decisions and you just reflect for yourself, like what, where do I want to go in life? And is it lining up with what the Lord might have? And do I care about what he cares about? And I just remember being at her wedding and being like, I totally can see myself making this exact same decision with this guy. And I, I don't know if I, I don't think I mentioned it, but I just, I was so much more settled. There was not the going back and forth mentally. I was settled. like, you know what, whenever this happens, I am ready, which is funny because the first time he asked to kind of hang out more, that was when he said, I, he perceived me saying just friends. I'd had a lot of um, dear, dear people close to me who wanted to be dating and the Lord hadn't seen fit to bring someone in their life. So I was just acutely aware of how painful it would be if yet another friend was connected with somebody. So when I said just friends, I had meant to him let's just hang out with friends and do life together with friends. But in my loquacious, never getting to the point of the story, he heard just friends. So the next time he said, you know, can we 
can we do this together? I was like, yes, let's do it. So to be settled in my spirit was something that was um, kind of a shift, a real big change for me to be able to be confident of like, yes, when this happens, I'm ready. And how long have you been married? Well, it'll be uh, 15 years next August. Okay. As you reflect back on your, well, we like to say you're at 1000 days on campus. That's for typically a four year college education. Are there some special memories that come to your mind about uh, you as being a student or whether you guys were dating or, or any special memories of just being a Cedarville college student. What about you, Phil? Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I mean, I do remember the, the a lot about the library. I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> um, but I, you know, really appreciated chapel and that pause every day to really reflect on what's most important to even in the midst of the stressors of the academic schedule really appreciated the opportunity of being a part of the advisory seven council and the, the mentorship by pastor bob rome as well as uh just the excellent instructors i had and my advisor dr tim dewhurst um just you know they have left a mark on my life and so those are things that you uh uh, you know, the Lord orchestrated and, and helps to shape where you go. How about you, Becca? Uh, what are some fond memories of your 1000 days on campus? A lot of my memories are actually pre-fill. I mean, it was kind of towards the end of my stuff. Uh, I was in our OTC. I did not complete the program. The Lord saw it. <clears throat> he, uh, I got, I got medically discharged, but, um, a lot of the craziness of, um, that special, challenging regimen with other people that you would never be able to accomplish alone. That was special. Um, chapel was, it was huge. I was, I was always hungry for, um, hugs and just someone being close and we would pile, we would pile into the chapel row and just have like family again for every day of the week. And it was just, it's just such a helpful kind yeah. of springboard, uh, love tank filling up, um, before we started the rest of our, our crazy days, but, um, ultimate for us, me, you know, all the pickup stuff and opportunities that, uh, the, the fields that were available to just do relationships with people that were not in my field was huge too, because when you're in one of the, when you're kind of in a, the same classes with everybody, it's a sweet thing, but it's also, Oh, it's like blinders. So when yeah. you, when I was able to kind of have different outlets with the pool, Oh, by the way, I would, I almost cried when Cyril took out the pool tables because that was such a huge um, connection for me with other people that were not normally in our circles. Um, so I used to spend every day um, playing pool in the bottom of the SSC. Were you, I assume you're pretty good. Uh, well, you end up getting a little bit better and it was fun to, it was fun to trash talk and you know, whether, whether I didn't show for it was another matter, but it was fun. You mentioned um, briefly about chapels and, and cramming in the, the pews, all your friends. And uh, is there a favorite chapel or is there a chapel that sticks out in your mind that really impacted you? There were many, I don't, well, Marilyn Laszlo ended up buying her book, but she was one of the missionaries to Papua New Guinea. And um, I really appreciated um, having the rubber meeting the road, you know, folks um, who were coming in to tell stories of God's work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like everything, you know, with homeschooling, uh, there's uh, so much pushback when you don't understand why. It's really hard to do something that's hard without understanding why. And the Lord doesn't always tell us why. But when you get connected with the real life stories of why you're doing what you do, 
I mean, when you've got a motivation that just changes the whole game. And I appreciated, I appreciated all of the, I think because we were saturated with scripture and with just truth day in, day out and doing the hard work of owning it. Um, you needed real life stories to be like, this is not just filling my brain with knowledge that puffs up. Like people yeah. need the Lord. And I just heard a story about where someone was changed. So those were ones that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Well, I've, I've spent a lot of time with Phila and Becca, but I don't want to go too much farther without bringing in Renee because to me, she's the star of this podcast. Uh, hey, Renee, what grade are you in? Eighth grade. Oopsie. <laughs> I'm eight years old. You're eight years old. And what grade are you in? Third grade. Third grade. Wow. So do you have a favorite subject in school? Um, I really like history and science. Why do you like history and, and science? I like science because it tells you things about the world. And no matter how many times you review, you review them, it's always like it's something new. Okay. And I really like that. And for history, I just like to review all the famous things and moments in time and it's just really really fun you like stories mm -hmm. you like stories so when you grow up to your mom and dad's age uh have you thought what you want to do when you're i want to be an engineer you want to be an engineer why why do you want to be an engineer uh partly so i can work with my dad and i just really find it fascinating i know you uh renee have some favorite activities you have to have favorite activities that you like to do just because you're uh, in third grade you're eight years old what are some of the favorite activities you like to do when you're not in class studying just having fun what are those activities um i really like reading adventure stories oh really and i really like roller skating if the weather's nice i also know that you have a favorite bible verse i, I i've taught you before and and you mentioned your favorite Bible verse. Can you quote that Bible verse for us? Mm -hmm. It's 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why is that your favorite Bible verse? I don't know. Probably because I memorized it in an early age, and I'm like able to remember it since then. Where did you memorize it? Sunday school. Who's your Sunday school teacher? Pastor Boucher. Okay. Everybody calls him Pastor Boo. Pastor Boo. That's what I call him, too. We go to the same church. I call him Pastor Boo, or sometimes I just call him Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you scare him? No, he scares me. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. And and he he's a he's a fan of this podcast, so I'm sure he'll hear that and and get a chuckle as well. So, oh, Renee, what's it like? So you have you have three younger siblings, right? Three brothers, correct? Mm -hmm. What's it like being the older sister? It's a sensitive subject. What? <laughs> good and bad. What's what's the good of being a, an older uh, sister to your three brothers? Well, you get to help a lot yeah and um most often because they're bugging you you get more free time kind of <laughs> oh 
<laughs> and so what, what what are the bad parts when uh, of having uh, three younger brothers? Most of the time, they're pretty good, but sometimes they're like... Go ahead, say what we're going to say. <laughs> okay. Very, uh. very neat. <laughs> Well, boys can be that way sometimes. Um, we, it takes us a while to grow up. So how old are your brothers? Jake is five. And William, it, oops, he's not five anymore. He's six now. True. It's really hard to remember. And William's three. And John Mark is one. And, and do, you, do you play with them or do you leave them alone? Mm, I play with John Mark and William if they ask me to. And what do you guys like to do when you play? William loves to pretend. And John Mark is just really, really, really funny. Funny like your dad? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, Renee, um, I must say that yesterday in church, I thought you exhibited great poise when you read a, a letter in church uh, of a person from a person from another country who received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Now, I'm just curious. Do you get nervous when you're up in front speaking to a large audience? No. Why not? Well, when I do that, normally I've been practicing for quite a while. Okay. So it gets kind of, I get kind of used to it. Okay. So you're a pro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I... I that's, that's good because I know when I, even today, when I get up in front of groups, like I just gave a presentation last week in a class to 45 students, it's not unusual for me to get a little nervous at the, at the beginning. But once I get going, I'm okay. But it reminds me of a time when uh, I was, I was thinking I was a senior in high school and, and uh, I was asked to read something uh, for an event. And I woke up that morning with hives. So it's it's a funny memory now, but uh, I hear about it frequently from family. But um, so I I still get nervous. So I I commend you for for being as confident as you are. So let's transition to the heart of today's conversation. From my perspective, this is about parents loving their children well and training them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. What are some tangible ways, Phil, that you and Becca intentionally lead? your children in the model of scripture and Christ? Well, I think one of the, the main ways we do this is through, through discipline and that, uh, you know, it's, it's been interesting as a going from being a child to a parent and seeing the heart that your parent, the parents have for the children and just how, how much love, how discipline is a reflection of love and, right. and, uh, pointing them in the right direction is is a difficult and and constant task and so we we try to always do that in a way that honors the lord and that is true to his scripture um we're growing and having our daily devotionals mm -hmm. um it's a that's a place that we're trying to uh, strengthen but in terms of the why we do things, why our rules are, are established, we try to root them deeply in, in, a, in a biblical purpose, and not just a preference, mm -hmm. and give the give our children uh, a firm understanding of of the why of what we're asking them to do, and ultimately how it's it's 
their role of honoring, honoring the Lord through honoring their parents. Has it become easier now that you, with four because you have more experience, or does the does the age bracket between John Mark at one and Becca, I mean Renee at almost nine, um, does that complicate things? They, you know, each child has their idiosyncrasies, and so you the the. Uh, the adage that you gain experience doesn't seem to always apply because <laughs> <laughs> each one needs a, something different. But no, I think the Renee has been super helpful as the kids get older. Some of the uh, you know chores and things that, that gets helped. The the um, uh, hitting each child with what they need and responding to their individual the way that the Lord made them tick uh, is always a challenge. But it's been a joy to watch them interact together and see yeah. how those those idiosyncrasies complement each other yeah. in an interesting way. By the grace of God, as parents faithfully share the truth of Scripture and live out the gospel in a daily, as best we can in a daily life, um, a special bond I believe develops between the family and the the children and the parents. And one example of this bond I learned when I talked to Becca when I was initially starting this process of having you on the program that um, Becca told me that Renee voluntarily wanted to support, in Becca's words, her dad's college <laughs> um, in a simple way of honoring you and probably the family. Phil, just for context, give us a background of what was going on at that event. Tell us what the situation was, the event was, and uh, bring yes, us Yes, yeah. So my sister-in-law, <laughs> Lynette, who I mentioned earlier, yep. was attending... Um, homecoming this year and she had her daughter Sophia along with her and Renee and her are our close friends and so they had a day trip to homecoming with Auntie Lynn mm. and they were listening to Dr. White um, give the homecoming chapel uh, presentation a, a message mm -hmm. and Renee heard about the exciting things that were going on here and the, the needs to support that and so she felt called to help contribute. And she talked to her Aunt Lynette and said, I'd really like to go down and give what I have here, these four quarters, uh, to the cause. Yeah. So, uh, Renee, do you remember that that day? Um, what would you say is the reason why you wanted to give the four quarters to this um, campaign that it's going to, raise, going to build a $40 million business building on campus? What what, what motivated you? Well, I think part of it might have been the way Dr. White was telling us that they needed the money. Uh -huh. And that kind of got me wanting it, mm -hmm. wanting to give. Mm -hmm. And So have you been at Cedarville before? Or was this your first time at, on campus? No, I've been before. Do you like, do you like the, the campus? Mm -hmm. What do you like about it? Um, well, I like that it's kind of takes strategy to find your way around if you're new. It's kind of like a maze if you don't know your way around. Oh, really? And I like that. So have you, have you ever been lost on campus? I normally stay with my parents. That's wise. <laughs> That's a wise girl there. <laughs> Very good. So, you know, I, when I heard the story... <clears throat> And then I, you know, I heard it was you guys, so that made it easier because I at least knew Phil and Becca a little bit. But uh, to me, it's a remarkable story that a an eight year old girl on her own 
would want to support anything outside of her own interests. I mean, we're, we're, we're created very selfishly. And so the fact that you at, at a young age, uh, speaks to me, it speaks about, um, a heart. It speaks about a, it's, it's not about the gift, but it's about the heart's desire to, to serve others and to help others. I would probably add, I think one of the things that this reflects is, you know, there's these love, love different love languages. And yeah. I've noticed that in Renee, that gifts is a strength of hers, both in terms of receiving, but also in giving. And I think this is a one example of a way that she could tangibly communicate um, her desire to, um, you know, love, love this community. And, um, you know, in many ways loved her dad as well and supporting yeah. something that was important to him. And so I think that's, that's part of the place where it comes from is that her, she has a gift of uh, gift giving. Yeah. So how did it make you feel when, when you, when you learned that she wanted to do this and she did do this? Well, I was honored. I was honored to see another example of her heart, yep. you know, the way she loves people. Um, and, uh, also her bravery to go to go down and and to and her her response to the call to do it immediately and to you know do it personally yeah so you got to meet the president of the university didn't you i actually thought you were the president of the oh. university <laughs> well i'm not but but when you had when you had the four quarters that you were going to give for the campaign you gave those to the president right dr white mm -hmm. did you enjoy that did you talk to him mm -hmm. what did you have to say to him I think I just said, I want to give you these quarters. And then he had me take a picture with him. I saw the picture. It was a cute picture. Well, it's just a great story. And again, it's easy to, you know, look at this story in a lot of different ways. You know, this is a $40 million campaign. What does four quarters really mean? It means a lot. And in reality, at Cedarville, we talk with our students all the time that every day matters. And with um, in this campaign that we're in, every gift matters. And it really is what makes it important is not because of the dollar amount. I mean, we have donors giving $10 million, $12 million, and we have donors giving $1 and $5. All matter, and we, we, we take them all seriously. Um, but again, it, the bottom line is it, it speaks to your heart and that you are, you are caring, you're compassionate, and you want to make a difference. And for that, we're really thankful for this. Thanks for, thanks for contributing to the campaign, Renee. So as I move toward the conclusion of the, the program, um, I realized at, at the time that we were recording this, you're eight years old. Um, on January 30th, you'll be nine. You'll be a big nine-year-old. Um, so you're still quite a ways away from college, but would you like to come to Cedarville University to follow in your mom and dad's footsteps? I've had that decision Oh. for like maybe five years. Probably not five, maybe like two. Okay. And what did you decide? Yes. And uh, so you want to come to Cedarville University. I don't know what year that will be. It's quite a ways out. Don't worry about it, Dad. Do you know what kind of engineering you want to work? You're probably mechanical because that's what your dad mm -hmm. does. Okay. And uh, what do you think about that, Pops? Oh, well, that's uh, I'm very exciting to hear. I want to pursue that. And uh, we'll help her in any way we can. 
to uh, pursue that or even figure out what else, you know, the Lord might put on their heart. Right. Because it's, it's early. Because um, I would think with um, engineering, you better know math pretty well. That's the one problem. <laughs> I seriously do not like math. Well, well, you you can still follow in your dad's foot, yeah. footsteps, even if you don't go engineering. But uh, I just want to encourage you to continue to um, follow in obedience um, the the guidance and leadership your mom and dad give you, and they're giving you great guidance. And uh, I'm just so glad that you were able to join me this week on the podcast. And Phil, thanks for for being our our guest today. And uh, well, thank you for having us. It's a special treat. Thanks again, Renee. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.